It has been said that change does not come easy. And remembering to turn my mic on on a weekly basis does not come easy either. A somewhat degrading way to say this is an old dog cannot learn new tricks. Now, an older person, if an older person said this about himself, he'd be declaring, I do not want to change. I am happy with my life as it is. A younger person might use this same phrase, an old dog can't learn new tricks, about his parent or grandparent. Uh, to them, it means the older generation is set in their ways. It is a statement of stalemate between people. Now, if you grew up in the non-computer generation prior to the 1980s, uh, that change of doing things on the computer might have been hard. It still might be challenging to some of you. So either you did not learn to work it or you fought your way to learn new concepts. But the power to change was ultimately in your hands. The reality is there are plenty of people willing to change based on their desires, whatever age. If given sufficient reason, they will change. Or regardless of opportunities, they might say, I prefer the status quo. The lesson is entitled The Church Like Christ, Christ's Power to Change. The first point is Christ's power. The second point is our, their power. The third point is our power. The first point, Christ's complete power to change would surely be a topic that could not be fully understood, at least from the point of view that he is God. Even by those in the church like Christ, since he is God and we are not. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. John 21, 25. Paul said this, Oh, the depths and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given him a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Romans 11, 33 through 36. Yet scripture does share aspects about who God and Christ are that we need to know. He is not your created images. He is not just in your imagination. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, Acts 17, 24 through 25. The message preached teaches about Christ's power. Any message? No, 
the message that Christ once declared, the message from Christ's apostles, according to John chapter 17, 20 and 21. We can start with the book of Isaiah and teach Christ like Philip did to the Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Or we can speak to a disobedient people as Peter did on Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. Or speak to a religious people who do not understand God's nature, as in Acts chapter 17, 22 and following. But the message preached should always declare Christ. His life, death, burial, resurrection, the power of his blood to forgive sins, as well as how he wants us to live as his church, his body, his people. When I speak of Christ's power to change, at least in this lesson, I am speaking about his power to take away our penalty of sins. This is truly the good news message. It is a power that could be understood, possibly help to understand when we think of the concept of creation, like in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created, right? Well, that's something that only God can do. He can make something out of nothing or something we can't see. He could create things. The word for creation in the Hebrew language is the same word that talks about God's power to forgive sins. You'll find that in Psalm 51. Or rather to take away the penalties of sins as we look at other discussions about that in the New Testament. In essence, it brings out the idea of causing something to exist that did not exist. When you sin, does that sin go away on its own? He causes something to exist, a clean and pure soul that didn't exist before. That's the same word that's used in Psalm 51. It is an act of divine creation, in a sense. A king, and King David uses it when he begs God, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's a divine creation. That's something only God can do. Psalm 51.10. The true cause of this forgiveness, this creation by God, is through Christ's act on the cross. This is the power of Christ's blood, his sacrifice. That's Christ's power that I wanted to talk about this morning in this first point. The second point is their power. When I speak of their power, I am referring to those who reject the teachings of Christ. They have power, power in their hands, power in their minds and their imagination and the masses, as in riots, traditions. Jews who refused to listen to the message had power of stubbornness and disbelief. The Gentiles had power of false gods and the power of prestige and commerce. As was traditional for Paul, when he went to a new area in his missionary journeys, where did he go first? He went to the Jews. He went to the synagogue, or as where he found Lydia, 
to the river. Thank God that the message preached was effective to those who listened. However, there always seemed to be the power of opposition. We don't understand that in this country, do we? The power of opposition. I must give this synagogue of Jews uh, in Ephesus some credit, though. I really, I really do. In Acts chapter 19, verse 8, And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Acts 19.8. At Antioch, he only made it to the second Sabbath before opposition happened. Acts 13.45. In Iconium, certain Jews quickly divided the city after he started teaching. Acts 14.1-5. And in Thessalonica, he only got three Sabbaths in before a mob came against him. Acts 17, verse 5. Truly, those who reject Christ, they do it out of unbelief. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation or that Jewish synagogue congregation, he withdrew from them, those unbelievers in the synagogue, and took the disciples that he now has with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus, Acts 19, verse 9. Funny question, maybe not funny. Funny to me, I have a weird sense of humor. Do atheists have morals? Sure, they have morals. But if their house is built on sand, what happens when the earthquake comes? Not only do atheists need to be taught the true nature of God, also those who are religious but believe in false gods because their house is built on sand. Now in Ephesus, the Gentiles did not need any help from Jewish unbelievers. Paul had enemies right away just from the Gentiles. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that God's made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also the temple of the great Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis! of the Ephesians, Acts 19, 24 through 28. If you know the story, you know the power of false worship. You know the power of Satan's deception. And you know the power of self-interest. Artemis may have been a fertility goddess, and she was worshipped in many places, but her temple in Ephesus was considered by the people 
in that world mindset as the greatest temple to Artemis. Anything that affected her influence was greatly opposed. Acts 19 verse 40. The third point, our power. Our power. When I use the phrase our power, I am referring to those who accept the message of Jesus Christ. And he, that is Paul, entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God, Acts 19, verse 8. Those in the church like Christ are people who understand serving God through Jesus Christ is the right and the only way to live. We turn to God in prayer and we follow his teachings. Fortunately, we understand that our power is our decision to follow Christ. It is up to the individual to follow Christ's expectations for salvation and life. The reality is we learn not to rely on our power at all, don't we? We rely on Christ's power to change us. That is where we get our power. His power to forgive sins. His power to help us to grow appropriately in Him. It is within our power to allow Him to change us. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. We consider change. No, I am not saying we consider changing God's expectation for us. It is not our role to change his commands or his teachings. Look at what the Christians did in Ephesus. They got rid of their magic books. Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. Acts 19, 18 through 19. They changed and they got rid of their false statues and their false religions. This Paul was persuaded and turned away a great many people saying that gods made by hands are not gods. Acts 19.26 Christ's teaching had such an impact. It was changing the hearts and minds of people. You see, it's Christ's power that works. It's Christ's power that works. That is what the itinerant Jewish exorcists understood although incorrectly. They attempted to use Jesus' name in their incantation, but they learned a hard lesson. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the name of Jesus, whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirit answered them, <laughs> Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? 
And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Acts 19, 13 through 16. Paul was able to heal many people because God allowed it. Not because he learned to invoke or summon the power of God like these sons of Sceva thought they were doing. The church like Christ, Christ's power to change. The three points are Christ's power. Truly the power of Christ is the power of God since he is God. His message teaches that if we turn to him, if we follow him, he will forgive our sins. And only through Christ can this be done. The second point is their power. Those who reject Christ have power, but their power is the power to reject Christ. They have this choice, but their power will not lead to any kind of salvation. And then there is our power. It teaches that we recognize that salvation only comes through Christ. We give up our power and place it in the hands of Christ. We understand that following Christ is the only way to go. It is Christ's power that brings true change.